welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, base campers. I hope you're all doing well. As a podcaster, writer, and former liberal, I seek to build bridges for the left, not as a way to convert them. I'm not interested in being right or converting anyone to certain views or my way of thinking or any of that, but to show them where I and others like my guest today found our path out of the shrinking silo of conformity that we had found ourselves in on the left. We talk a lot about the hero's journey on this show. It helps frame much of what we are about and what we do. The hero, whether that be a man, woman, or child, will always have to be willing to let go of his or her positions if they no longer serve the journey. Who out there can skillfully let go of a position or viewpoint without losing their essence of who they are? That, my friends, is the real path. To keep letting go of your identity around politics or whatever side you found yourself on on the COVID issues and see if you can bring yourself back to the collective human tribe, to we the people. Once more and more people find breathing room to express whatever truth and not be censored or shamed for it, the more clear seeing there will be for all people. Much of what has been going on has been hidden from some And for those of you that know me best, you know that I believe that this has been intentional. Evil? Sure. But there is something powerfully uniting and affirming of our mutual humanity stirring just under the surface of this realization. Let's go talk to another member of Team Human and see what she has been noticing. My guest today is Kelly Lamb. Kelly is a musician, Canadian prairie girl, and an ex-social justice warrior. Kelly created her YouTube channel to help foster productive, meaningful conversations on divisive issues while balancing the head, the heart, and the gut. Here is my interview with Kelly Lamb. All right, I am here with Kelly Lamb, musician, creative, free thinker, Kelly Lamb. Kelly, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's so great to finally connect with you. We've been kind of circling around and and trying to uh, sync our our schedules. And, you know, I first saw you on Deep Program, on a a program called Deep Program Confessions of an Ex- social justice warrior. And I was clicking around YouTube and I heard your great interview and I was like, oh my God, I'd love to get this woman on because we're trying, I'm trying to do some episodes in the vein of people that have left the left and what were the reasons. And my, my kind of secret motivation is this kind of helping to build this kind of bridge over it's not like you know to get more republican voters it's none of that it's just it's right. just to help highlight like what i'm sure there's people that wondered from you know i was a liberal for 30 years i'm sure there's people that wondered why in the heck did is he no longer a liberal and mm-hmm. maybe they've clicked on a podcast or two maybe they've missed the episodes where maybe i really described it well and i just thought well maybe we get a few more people on to tell their stories and that will help build the bridge cuz i feel like right now um there perhaps is a group that's looking for the bridge, right? They're like, well, I don't know where to go. I'm loyal to this group, but there's some weird things happening. And for me, it started with the 2016 election of Donald Trump. And um, and I'll let you tell your story about maybe what happened with you, because I was 
during the two, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I did not like Donald Trump. And when he was elected, I was really upset. I was like in the left, like screaming, like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. But then this kind of wise little voice in my head sort of started whispering to me and said, wait a minute, something's going on here that doesn't feel right. Like, are you going to be screaming about this for four years? Um, could there be some projection going on? Like this, this kind of wise voice said, why don't you step back and just observe for a little while and not get so triggered? And just that little move really helped to frame things differently for me. And then from there, it was like I was walking the bridge over to more um, uh, freedom and kind of more terrain where I could breathe. Um, and I saw that you had said something about the Trump election was kind of the start for you as well. But I wanted to let you tell the story about maybe what happened because you were a liberal too, a musician on the left, like yep. so many people. Um, what what was it that was the first, you know, your first step out of that kind of silo, I guess? Right. And I appreciate your story because that's very similar to, to mine in the sense of really just seeing the chaos and thinking, mm, something's going on here. This doesn't seem right. This mm -hmm. My spidey senses are tingling and I'm not going to panic like everybody's panicking, even though I was very worried. Yeah. And at the time, I wasn't all that political, but I was very, I would say I was left leaning in the sense of what I thought the role of government was. I just thought, Bigger government programs, if the government talks a good game, talks about compassion, that's the guy you vote for. You know, mm -hmm. these, these big, bad conservatives just want money and the liberals want to help. And I just wanted to help. So that's how simple it was in my mind. It wasn't that I was so involved. I was involved a bit growing up. I was interested in politics uh, in general, I, but I wasn't following. I wasn't paying attention. I was in my own world. I had my own stuff going on. Uh, I myself was generally, you know, low income, dealing with a disability and mm -hmm. meeting a lot of others in that boat and feeling for their situation and seeing that sometimes hard work doesn't equal success. And sometimes it's not that simple. And, right. and just hoping that people would find happiness and peace and, and health in their life. So I came from it from a place of compassion. And and uh, for me, the Donald Trump thing, of course, you know, he comes off as pretty brash and mm -hmm. I didn't like him either, but I still wasn't paying as close attention and I didn't consider myself a quote SJW, although I absolutely was and I, I recognize it now. Mm. People would start to call me that and I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was a some kind of a compliment, <laughs> you know, a warrior. That must be a good thing. And social justice is good. So it must be good. Yep. So Trump gets voted in and. It was actually through um, a sort of a support group for young women who have chronic conditions. A friend of mine introduced me to it. So women across Canada who were struggling and just wanted to chat it out. And they went kind of nutso over the Trump thing. And I made a very benign comment about taking a deep breath, as you said, not mm -hmm. panicking. I said there have been bad leaders before and there will be again. And, and we can do this. It's mm -hmm. just one man. We can do this. And I got a whole bunch of stuff about my privilege and I didn't know what that meant. And it was very confusing to me. And then shortly thereafter, um, one of the gals in the group basically, I don't know, excommunicated. I'm not sure what the word is yeah. on silly Facebook, but I was yeah. slashed from the group because she didn't feel safe anymore. And that was a whole other story. And it was very bizarre and I didn't understand it. And I set it aside and then there were some events uh, shortly after that continued, I guess what you would call a time release red pill uh, for me. It was not quick. It was not one event. It was a whole bunch of things that just didn't sit well. Yep. And uh, the media lying and then starting to question the media. That was a big one. So it was a big event in my province that 
fomented a lot of um, unnecessary racial division that was already bad um, mm -hmm. and we didn't need it. And I saw the, the media, I followed a court case and I followed every word. I read every bloody document and I knew exactly what was going on. And then to see what the media reported was either a narrative or a downright lie at one mm -hmm. point. And, and I thought, this is unethical. What, are they wanting a race war? What are they doing? And then I started to really question everything else that came out. And from there, it just, uh, it just went on. But, but the big orange man, yes, he was part of my wake up process, um, which is a, a common theme. It's so interesting how this, you know, loud and proud Trumpian just came in and just shook up all our worlds and we didn't even expect it. So that's true. You know, it's, it's, I was a liberal for so long when it was good to be a liberal. Like what I mean by that is like, it was the more diverse party. You know, I lived in New York city for a long time. And I remember a year I was there, there was the Republican convention and then the democratic convention was in Boston or something, but I got a chance to see, and it was like the Republican convention was all these white guys in khakis. And and then the Democrat <laughs> the Democratic convention was dreadlocks and music and color and and it was always like my alliance is always with humanity. I'm a pro humanity. Mm -hmm. That is what mm -hmm. has driven my liberalism was the tolerance of everyone and that everybody get a fair shake. And so to your point earlier, yeah, I was kind of in the same camp in that it was like I want to be the side that is that is for humans of all mm -hmm. stripes. And so, but then they, they did this funny little thing where they started to add more and more things that you had to conform to. So it's really become the left has become the party of conformity. Like you've got to think this now you have to mm -hmm. use your pronouns. Now uh, there is no women, you know, there's birthing individuals. It's like, it's mm -hmm. gotten so crazy that it's like, why I'm not for that. And one thing I noticed as soon as I started questioning the underpinnings of the left and started just asking questions, I got excommunicadoed. And then my friends just my friends on the left just did not want to have anything to do with me. They're just like, oh, mm -hmm. he said something positive about Trump on his podcast. And that was it. And it's like it really it reshuffled my constellation of who's in my friend group and who's I'm in communication with. And it's brought me some really new, wonderful friends who are mm. more libertarian, who maybe saw some of the hypocrisy because I don't see too much tolerance on the left right now. Like that's one of the things that I really loved about the left back in the heyday, but I see a lot of intolerance. Like all I'm doing is asking questions about you know, say, you know, the the vaccine or the narrative about COVID. Isn't it weird that the pharmaceuticals are pharmaceutical companies are got all these commercials and they never say a bad thing about anything that they do. Um, and that's like radically, you know, you know, I don't know. And just how how like I was down questioning critical race theory at the school board meeting. And then I get labeled a, do a domestic terrorist and a racist. It's like, wait a minute. Like, I thought domestic terrorists was reserved for people that bombed buildings and killed people. Like, why are right. concerned parents like that don't want sex education taught to their six-year-olds in a weird way? Why are they like racist? And why are they bad people? But that's, that's what they keep throwing at the libertarians and the people that are more conservative. And it reminds me a lot of like some, you know, like seventh grader calling names to somebody that disagrees with them. And I'm just like, why can't you listen to the reasons that 
maybe somebody that's not in your camp is got concerns about their kids, you know, and it's I'm just not getting that they're open minded about that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I guess, was blessed in the sense that because I didn't build strong friendships around politics, I didn't yeah. lose too many friends. I did lose a few. Yeah. Oddly, my mother lost a friend of 60 years, mostly over her supporting me in my my political stance, which is crazy, just some of the events and stuff that I did. So that was actually probably the most devastating thing was was for me to see my stuff affect someone I care for was awful. Yeah. But for me, thankfully, I grew up around you know, some pretty conservative people and people that just the people I was close to weren't political. They didn't care. They loved me for me. And so they yeah. weren't even really paying attention. They were bored by all my politics. They yeah. thought that's cool. Go girl. You know, that's awesome. But they didn't care. So thankfully, I came back to open arms in a lot of ways. But I'm with you where um, the closest relationships I've built and there have been many that have faded away. They just sort of stop talking to you. They just get uncomfortable yeah. or they don't like something you say and you try really hard to be, I always thought I was a good communicator. So you try really hard to be honest and show them, Hey, I'm still me. I haven't gone crazy. Mm-hmm. I just see things a bit differently. You know, I still want to help. I just see a different way mm-hmm. to help. That's all that happened to me. So for me, that was what I tried to do, but it was, as you said, it was like, you couldn't talk to, to certain people about it. Um, and thankfully that those wounds as, as painful as they were, have healed and, as you said, have been replaced with some of the most incredible people I've met, mm-hmm. uh, very open-minded people that are willing to have real adult discussions and sit down and and just hash it out. And that's something that maybe I grew up around and took for granted. I grew up in rural Saskatchewan, Canada, so if you're in the States, I guess I could compare it to North Dakota, flyover country. Um, you know, there's a lot of farmers. It's It's a very, where I grew up, it was a very sort of relaxed place, oil and gas, hardworking. Mm. And it was, you sit around and have a beer and you talk politics or my grandpa would complain about things and my parents would complain and I'd sort of pick it up by osmosis. And at the end of the night, you shook hands and you went home and it was okay if you didn't agree. That wasn't yeah. the end of the world. You could play crib and, and have a glass of rum and move on. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's what I just assumed we would be looking at now that I am interested in politics and I'm starting to understand, oh, that's what they were talking about as an adult and what's important and see how these policies affect my life and my pocketbook, um, the health and safety of those around me. And I'm I'm just wanting to talk about it. And now suddenly the conversation's not all that open. And mm-hmm. it isn't the right that's squandering conversation. Not I don't want to say no one on the right, because there are some Jerks on the right. And I have met some people that I thought, oh, great, we agree. And then I thought, okay, we agree, but I don't really like you that much. So there's that. Um, But yeah, there's more willingness to talk and to disagree and to joke around as well and have a bloody sense of humor because we've lost that too. So yeah, it's it's been quite eye-opening. to see the shift and it's, it's not that big a shift in me. It is, but not, not my core. I'm the same person I always was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to your point about liberalism and what you sort of thought it was or what you conceived it to be in a sense of like a lifestyle, as you mentioned, how you see people, how you see humanity, um, questioning certain things, questioning pharmaceutical companies, heaven forbid, all of that stuff. Exactly. That's a, it's a classical liberalism, and I know that's been discussed lots by the Dave Rubens and you know Jordan Petersons, etc. Um, that's more how I identify as is still just a classical liberal. But nowadays, that means I'm apparently on the furthest edge of right if you classify me in the yeah. the normal standards. So I guess I'm whatever whatever label is going to get thrown on me for that day. It changes like the currency, doesn't it? It does. Well, and I love what you said about, and I really resonate with maybe, you know. 
I, I like have, I, I don't even know. I don't even know if I like having like back and forth debates about stuff. Like I just, I really, it's want, stressful sometimes. It <laughs> is. And it's like, maybe, you know, I, I've, I, I do believe by this show that we've, I've red pilled quite a few people, but maybe, maybe I don't need to be that way. Maybe it's just like the less politics in it, the better, the more that I can just say, look, my tribe is humanity. I don't care what their politics are. Some people are going to come to listen. Some people are going to want to interact with me. Some are not going to. Oh, I hear your cat there. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, sorry about that. There's going to be at least one animal I, making noise I, at I, one point around here. <laughs> I put mine out, the one that jumps on my lap during the <laughs> podcast, because I'm like, I can't have you doing this. Um, but I just yeah. I just love that. I love I feel totally in resonance with with the pro-humanity. And it's like maybe, you know, yeah, maybe we're getting away from like we don't have to keep beating the drum over that side's doing this and this side's doing that. Um, you know, I I I long to have uplifting conversations across the spectrum and that Mm -hmm. people will find conversations that are like, I heard something there. I maybe can drop my position on certain things. I think, you know, we're going through such a spiritual awakening as a tribe right now, as everybody's learning to live from their heart, learning to drop ego in a way like it takes it takes a loosening or a lessening or a right sizing of the ego to say, I think I'm causing distress by my positionality around X, right? Like mm-hmm. it's stress. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really like triggering people. I don't. I, I would no, rather. No, that's yeah. so true. I don't want to fight. I'm not here to make everyone mad and gotcha people. That was always yeah. something weird to me, this gotcha culture. No. I go on someone like Twitter and I'm just talking like I would if we were sitting down having tea. Yeah. And the next person is like, no, I've got to get you. And I don't, it's such a strange way of doing it. And I don't feel like that's whatever um, faith you, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but whatever sort of faith you subscribe to, like you said, there's an element of ego that is discussed that has to be dropped. And uh, until we get there, we don't get very far. But I do see that struggle. You know, people are, we're all trying to find our place. And sometimes in in this world, it seems like everyone wants a megaphone. And that's half the problem. Because we have a computer in our hand, we always have to have 5 million opinions immediately all the time. And I'm not sure that's healthy. For I know. Us, so. I know. I, I was talking to my wife the other day about a couple of things. And I said, now I can want to be right with her because I'm married. Right. But I like, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't really want to be right about some of these things that, you know, I just don't. It's not some satisfying thing if, mm-hmm. you know, I'm right about some sort of situation with the vaccines or whatever. Like, I don't want to be right. That's not like, oh, you saw that coming. I, that doesn't satisfy mm-hmm. anything in me at all. I was just trying to present some other side to that mm-hmm. issue and some other things so that people could maybe have something else a different viewpoint other than maybe the silo they were getting their information from, but it was never to like, I'm such a smarty pants or I'm so smart. I'm like, just, I just wanted there to be a, maybe somebody heard something went, you know what? He said something there that wasn't the party line, but it made some sense the way he said it, you know, that's all it was supposed to be was, was service to humanity, not, not as a uh, poking at your intelligence or the left so dumb. I, I never wanted to come off that way. And and perhaps mm-hmm. I did at times. So, um, and you, you had mentioned uh, Jordan Peterson and um, that you had gotten a lot out of him and that he had helped you sort of uh, with some new philosophical bearings in a certain way. I have not listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson. It's funny because 
my name, like when people talk to me about my show, his name comes up. They're like, oh, I heard you sound a little bit like Jordan Peterson, but the few videos I've heard of him, he's way smarter than I am. He's a college professor. <laughs> and I don't, I don't get down into all of the Marxist stuff that he is so uh, skillful at doing. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a little bit of a contrarian. And so they, they say, oh, I heard some things on your show that reminded me of him, but I have not heard, I, I feel like I owe it to myself maybe to sit down and on a week, long weekend and bang out some Jordan Peterson's just to, so I know exactly what he says about some certain things, but what did you get out of him? Like, what was the main takeaways as somebody that was maybe looking for a new philosophical terrain, or you were just looking for resources? What, what did you learn from, from Dr. Peterson? Well, I'd be happy to send you some of my my little favorite, you know, summations sure. so you don't have to dig through eight million hours yeah, of, yeah. of, That'd the, be great. of yeah. the pro and con Jordan Peterson stuff. But it's um for me it started, I, I heard his name because he was speaking up about Bill C16. Now I'm not real proud of Canada at the moment, but I'm very proud that he's Canadian. He's fantastic. Yeah. So he was uh, you know, I, I heard about him, this clinical psychologist, smart guy, as you said, speaking up against pronoun stuff. And I actually thought at first, well, what's the big deal? Just you know, say the stupid pronoun, it's not a big deal. And what, what's he on about? You know, what's this guy's, what's yep. this guy's deal? Because of course I'm presented him from Canadian media, which is quite biased in itself. We'll just leave it there for now. Yep. And uh, I wasn't sure. So I started listening to him and he made a lot of sense and he started talking about freedom of speech. And then he started talking about his vast knowledge of uh, dictatorships and of communism and of history and of human nature and how that all sort of, you know, connects, how, we're not maybe immune to some of these tragedies because at the end of the day, they were horrible human nature and how sort of the, the road to, or how, what is it? The, I'm, I'm terrible with quotes at the moment, but basically the, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Is that mm -hmm. how it's put? That sounds um, right. Yep. Yeah. That that's a big, that's sort of a big principle that he seems to espouse. So when people say you sound like him, it's probably in that general, mm -hmm. you know, 40,000 foot bird's eye view uh, of the world. And he much like us is someone who, who cares? He wants to help. He went into psychology for that reason. He's mm -hmm. openly, um, he, he cries a lot. He's openly suffer, suffers from depression. He's a, a sensitive person, a highly sensitive person. Um, so he, I think, can relate to a lot of highly sensitive people who just want to be good or try to do the right thing, mm -hmm. uh, but maybe have found themselves as weird outcasts in the left. And so he, he can really uh, relate to a lot of folks, men for sure. But I know a lot of women, lots of women that have had a great success in their lives and and feel somewhat indebted to him for him opening their eyes. So for me, I uh, started out with Bill C-16 and then I got into his publicly available lectures primarily. So stuff that he was doing on university campuses. And I listened to a 13 minute monologue about uh, his view on privilege and measuring it and oppression and suffering and uh, he got into postmodernism and dove into all his, you know, he can see his mind moving, his gears are going as he speaks. And then he said something that just kind of, I don't know, it knocked me on my butt and it just stuck with me and it shifted me. And it was such a simple concept. I'm a Christian. It's not a new concept to Christianity. But he said, pick up your damn suffering and bear it and try to be a good person mm. so that you don't make things worse. And I just thought that was something I needed to hear. And mm. I felt like I was in a bit of a victim mode with with health and money and some things, some trauma that had happened to me. Um, and uh, I was kind of going through healing and all that. So it just shifted my perspective. And then as I listened to him speak about the broader political and social issues in my country and beyond, uh, it just made so much sense. And I was able to verify so much of what he said. Yeah. And it just moved on from there. So um, 
yeah, he was definitely instrumental. He's a human. I don't praise him as a as a god of any kind. He's he's a man. Um, and I think that's maybe what I do like about him is he his humility. He needed help. He went for help. He's mm-hmm. he's open. He airs. Um, I appreciate people like him who have done done great work for especially young people who are, are really floundering when it comes to meaning and purpose at the moment. So that's great. I didn't I did not know. It's interesting to hear your take. I didn't know that he's a really sensitive human and that he resonates with that, that, that attracts me to him even more because when I've seen the, the few videos I've seen, he's just such a badass when it comes to his position, like stating positions that are not popular, you know, he yeah, just he's ste- fiery. He's yeah. Fiery and so sure. I, I just thought he was this intellectual kind of giant who <laughs> maybe, you know, like my first take was like, Oh, I'm, he could come off as kind of arrogant and mm-hmm. you know, he, he's probably the smartest guy in the room and he's wielding it that way, but he's making a lot of sense. So to hear, you know, he suffered from depression. He's got this humanity to him and this compassion. It makes me, you know, I can't wait to get those episodes from you because I'm like, oh, now I really want to go and lean in and listen to him because uh, I'm also really attracted to to people that wear their hearts on their sleeves mm-hmm. and, and wear their wounds on their sleeves too. You know what I mean? So uh, Precisely. yeah, I, that's really great. You know, um, on this show, we talk a lot about the hero's journey and we, we talk a lot about the macro, like the the heroes, the collective heroes journey that humanity is on. And then um, I like to go in and out. I like to take the meta, like, where are we going? What's our edge right now um, of humanity? And then also maybe the micro, like, what is, what is your work? Uh, What is the next chapters? I I have a saying that says that I say, you know, every, every, every chapter of your hero's journey is going to require a different version of yourself, a slightly different Mm -hmm. version. And I've seen that in my own life as I've, as I've been called to be more courageous or more outspoken, I've had to be a different, a slightly different version at every step of the way. Um, and so I guess I just wanted to ask you, like, what, what do you see collectively right now for humanity? What's our edge? Where are we going, perhaps? And then for yourself, what what is your own, maybe the next chapters? Are they starting to give you a hint of where you might be going in the next chapters of your own hero's journey? Ah, such an interesting question. That's uh, that's a unique one. So I, I appreciate this this way of looking at things. Of course, now it's going to depend somewhat on faith traditions as to how you see the future of humanity. Yeah. Christianity has a different view when it comes to revelations and all of that. We don't necessarily think that there's a, a spiritual collective awakening on Earth. Mm-hmm. Of course, that can be debated in many sort of theological ways. Um, and then there's the other view of of sort of yeah, like you said, a, a spiritual awakening. There's definitely like an energetic shift of sorts. Um, Back in the day before I shifted spiritually, I did a lot of energy work and all that stuff. So I'm well versed in discussing um, that side of things. And there's definitely something to be said about this shift, as you mentioned, and people kind of waking up a consciousness or a collective consciousness, as some would say, and uh, a connection to other people that's made possible now by technology and everything else, connection to our environment, connection to the land, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's all coming to the surface. And we're all talking about politics and stuff like this now because of just how in your face it is. And I think with COVID, we it, it made it very clear that one big pervasive message can be pushed down everybody's throat collectively worldwide. And mm-hmm. it can be quite intense. And uh, yeah. that means that everybody, even those who don't pay attention to this stuff because they find it stressful, 
are being presented with having to face stuff, whether it's gender ideology, whether it's climate change stuff, whether it's, you know, like the, the policies that people are pushing through that are affecting us, like in Canada, the carbon tax, every time someone fills up, you know, it doesn't matter whether you like politics or not, people are feeling this mm-hmm. on a personal level, and they're all having to find a way to either take action or shift how they feel about it or something. So it's it's big and it's and it's beyond borders on this front. So these are kind of issues we're all facing together. And uh, and the issue of the pandemic is a big one because it uh, you, you you mentioned the scary V word. So I'm assuming I'm allowed to on this platform. Yeah, you are. The vaccine stuff yeah. really just was an eye opener. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to your question. But just to kind of tie it in with what we've mentioned, talking about leaving quote the left, uh, part of my shock with all of this has been. And I'm not sure about you, but I've, I'm a bit of a natural health junkie, always have been trying to treat myself as well as I can. I take pharmaceuticals as I need to, but I, I take caution and everything I put into my body. You know, I don't just take meds for the sake of it. And I chose not to be vaccinated and I paid dearly. Our country had exceptionally strong regulations. My husband Mm -hmm. and I couldn't travel. He lost his job. He stood uh, in in defiance of that and against the segregation of everything. And uh, it was a really hard, really dark winter for a lot of people here and beyond. Um, And I watched a lot of my hippy dippy lefty friends get in line and say, yeah, this is fine. Everything's fine. And I thought, you don't even take Advil. I don't understand what's going I on know. here. I know. I was, it, yeah, go ahead. Right, go ahead. I was going to oh. say, I just I just couldn't believe that that it happened. And I'm sure you had friends like that as well. I'll let you pass on your thoughts because I'm well, curious if this happened it, to you. Yes, it did. And, um, you know, I didn't know very many people. We're very liberal in Seattle. So I imagine we break pretty mm-hmm. much the way you do. Now, if you go to other parts <laughs> of the country, uh, you can get vastly different vaccination status. You know, like people are like, not, no, I don't need to do that. But here there was a lockstep because of the narrative. And I was really shocked at the yoga hippie dippy community that you mentioned, mm-hmm. because I thought they're, they're, yes, they're liberal, but they're never going to go along with this. This thing is not tested. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so obvious they're jamming it down everybody's throat that- yeah. These people are too smart for that. And (laughs) with the exception of one or two people in that community, it was just, oh, no, we're all going to get this shot. And I was just I was my jaw was dropped because I thought those liberals of anybody will say, no, I'm not putting anything experimental in in my body. You yeah. know, and but they yeah. did, they did, and they didn't even question it. And I mean, my wife and I were just kind of shaking our heads, like, "What in the hell? What crazy world did we wake up in when these natural health people won't will not even ask questions about this thing?" Like, exactly, uh, exactly. And I know that there was a push that this is to do the right thing. So, you know, my my logical side says, "Well, people just wanted to do the right thing." I mean, Canada's vaccine rates were insanely high, but it's never yeah. high enough. You know, you, you yeah. always need more. We were considered a low vaccinated province. I think we're at 82% double jabbed or something. It's we're not low at all, not worldwide. But um yeah, it's interesting you you had that same jaw-dropping experience. I was absolutely floored and I still don't really get it. And mm-hmm. and there's parts of all of this and the reason I, I say it ties in is because I kind of thought I knew where the direction of humanity was going until COVID hit. And then I woke up in a parallel universe, apparently, where everything's upside down land and I don't really understand anything anymore. So it's become eye opening. But I have seen the ability of sort of psyops and the ability of psychological warfare. I have seen people tested to the utter edge and pushed into a corner. And I'm seeing sort of the plans that, you know, you don't want to think about because they're negative and I try to be positive, yeah. but there's some stuff going on in the background and there's people doing bad things and they seem to have bad intentions for humanity. And, you right. know, you start to see that stuff and it doesn't feel very good. 
Um, so we all have, as you said, now have to look at this individual journey and then how we collect connect as a whole. So as a whole, I don't for sure know where we're going, but I do know that things have been shaken up and that we're all at kind of a crossroads and, and the pandemic really sped that up. And so when it comes to the the other side, I can answer that a bit better in my own life and sort of what I would, if I could part, you know, impart any wisdom is just, it's often the things that you don't, you take for granted until this, we didn't feel like we were exceptionally strong people, my husband or I. And, uh, and then he just, this, this vaccine stuff came up for work and it was such an obvious no. My mom, who is one of the most gentle people, she would say herself, she can't say no to anything. It was just an automatic no. She just knew she didn't want it. Um, that was it, period. End of discussion. And she took nothing but heartache. And I'm just so proud of her. And I just, the strength I have seen come out in people, those are the things that right now I think the world needs. We need quiet humble strength mm -hmm. you don't have to waver in your position we don't need wishy-washiness we don't need back and forth if you're conservative say it be proud of it if you don't believe in gender ideology nonsense say it be proud of it yep. but you can do that without being a jerk without being egotistical without being partisan carrying a, a, a flag and refusing to set it down just so that you can think clearly for five seconds that kind of stuff is i feel like where the choices are going to be and um in my life, where the, the stage I'm in, I had a period where I had to be really brave and I sort of pick up the sword, theoretically, of course. Yep. And I went into politics and I ran for a populist sort of libertarian type party that welcomed really, though, all stripes. It was just personal responsibility. I ran for the, the People's Party of Canada back in 2019 in my riding for federal politics. And I just felt the calling to really stand up and fight, debate, get in there, try mm -hmm. to change policy. Now I'm in a position where my husband and I have bought a little bit of land and we're trying to promote self-sustainability. And I'm learning to can and do all these things that mean that we'll be able to survive a very expensive period in Canada, which is looking like it's is coming up. And I want to teach others to do that. I want to teach others about herbalism and how to take care of themselves. I want to keep their spirits up. I want to change hearts and minds so that they have hope to move on. So for now, I'm in a quiet period where I am sort of being forced by my body to reflect on things and to strengthen my resolve and to teach and to guide as opposed to fight, right? So we have to figure out what our roles are. Are you a fighter? Are you a healer? Are you, you know, what, what is your goal? Are you a teacher? And maybe that shifts in some period of your life, as you said, maybe your, maybe your body shifts, maybe your finances shift and for whatever reason you have to pick a different role but you just have to be very clear on that role and find the little ways one step forward every day to try to make something in the world create something do something positive leave something better than you left it it sounds so trite but honestly it's the only thing I think that makes you feel like you're getting anywhere because otherwise we can't tackle these huge humanitarian issues without getting depressed and overwhelmed yeah. um, or without getting delusions of grandeur and ego and feeling like we're all little saviors. And that's not good either. So um, it's really just focusing on the small, doing the best you can to create and bring something good. Be honest when you make a mistake and, and speak in, in humble strength and truth. That's, that's my best thoughts. And that's kind of what I'm trying to work on. <laughs> I don't know that's how great. well I'm doing, but I'm, I'm trying. No, I can tell you're doing well with it. Just, I can hear it in your, in the way you speak in Thanks. your heart. Yes. And, and I think it's a good message. I think, um, you know, one of the things that has been hidden from us, um, although in the last five years or so, we've become better at viewing the corruption and so to your to your point earlier part of it is there's a little bit like i know i'm not 
saying who in my life, but there's people in my life that just, it's almost like it's too horrible to consider that there's people at the top that don't like humans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. all, it's a hard thing to take in because it is the next thought is, you know, could all of these things that they're forcing on us be really against, you know, our life force, our health, our well-being? Um, is the narrative they keep trying to jam down our throats that we're violent, we're racist, uh, you know, we can't get along. Is that really to suit their divide and conquer kind of Marxist aims, the the globalists that sit at the top. Um, and and you don't have to go very far below then them where you see the tribe really doesn't want to. I don't know people that really want to argue. I don't know people. Mm-hmm. They don't. It's we get stirred up quite easily. I think it's mm-hmm. a way of playing on humans or an emotional tribe. It's both of our it's both our strength and can be our Achilles heel when mm-hmm. we get stirred up. And then they say, hey, the, the enemy's over there. It's Donald Trump or the enemy's over there. It's parents. Um, down at the, you know, down at the PTA meeting, um, criticizing race, you know, critical race theory, they try to stir you up and then point at us. But what's left is we, we are a strong tribe. We're a courageous tribe. And I think we're figuring it out. I think we're figuring out that where this is coming from is a very small group that doesn't like us very much. So, okay, Hmm. we can have compassion for the Klaus Schwab's or the Bill Gates or the Henry Kissinger's without uh, letting this continue to run this way. Now, how do we, how do we sort of uh, create sovereignty? How do we, well, I think there's a lot of that is already going on. I think there's, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of movement right now on the chessboard to reclaim humanity's dignity and how we move forward in the future. And I don't think you may see a time now in the not too distant future where there isn't really any Democrat Republican because it's those are kind of old, tired, divisional terms <laughs> that just don't really fit anymore. And we've moved into something else. At least I can dream that way. But uh, my my bet is always on humanity. Um, and I can hear yours is, too. Um, you know, I, I went and subscribed to your YouTube channel. Um, can you tell us where people can go click on that? And then is there any other things that that any other creative projects maybe where people can go find you in your other podcast interviews or anything else you got going on? You're a musician. Uh, where, where else can people find you? Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm not advertising much specifically right now like i said i'm on sort of a i'm doing boring things i'm you know pulling deadfall out of the forest and putting it in piles to burn and take away to the dump stuff that you really don't want to talk about uh, or take (laughs) videos of but uh, i am planning to get back especially into music um i do a little bit of piano and singing here and there and i do enjoy commentary i do enjoy interviews so something will be happening if if anyone wants to subscribe my channel's not going anywhere i'm fairly active on twitter it's where i get my my snark and my sass out a little bit and practice yeah. my debate skills uh, you can find me there at littlegoatcr is my handle nice. um, and yeah there's there's a lot of great stuff if i can do a, a plug for just other canadian content creators there's some really great stuff coming out um, before i i head off here yep. You had asked before, you know, some of the stuff we might chat about and, and the things that surprise me on, quote, the right um, is is the creativity levels. There are just as many artists and organic farmers and <laughs> hippie dippies on that side as well. And, and that really does, in my opinion, that's part of the, the hope that I have for humanity as well, that it won't be about parties and stupid flags that we fly, but it'll be about common interests and values mm. and the recognition that at the end of the day, as long as we are all trying to 
find solutions. We just have to figure out, you know, what, what solutions are right, I guess. In the end of the day, it's whether you have good intentions or not, because a lot of us want to help. We just see different ways forward. And the more we can come together on that front, I think the better we'll be against the people who aren't quite so quite so um, benign. It's hard yeah. for good people to accept that not everybody is coming from a good place. That's hard. That was hard for me. I always see the best in everyone, and I want to believe we're all trying to be our best self. Unfortunately, that's not true. So um, there's lots of great people doing fantastic work in Canada and even in my little province of Saskatchewan. So if you follow me, I do plug a lot of um, of other people that are doing stuff even when I can't because I feel like it's important to connect everyone. So, um, yeah, those are my two places. And if what, I do Kelly, anything important, then you'll know. What, Kelly, what, where do, do they just put Kelly Lamb in YouTube? Is that the name of the channel? Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. For, for YouTube, yeah, just Kelly Lamb is, is I'm pretty much the only one, I think, that comes yep, up. Back, back in my maiden name days, uh, some lovely model came up sometimes and I would say I'm the one below the, the model page. So uh, now I think I'm the only one that comes up. So yeah, beautiful. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for coming on Basecamp for Man. I just love this conversation. It was great to finally meet you. And thanks for sharing your insight and your wisdom. It was so welcome today. Really appreciate you. So thank you. Ditto. You as well. You have a beautiful day. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Kelly was kind enough to send me some of her favorite Jordan Peterson videos, which I'll be diving into next. Dr. Peterson has enraged and awakened a whole lot of people, and I'm looking forward to listening to what the good doctor has to say about a number of issues. Everything seems to be left versus right, Trump haters versus Trump supporters, vaccine versus no vaccine. It could be tiresome and draining, can it? I love what Kelly had to say about how when she was growing up in her community, people were fine with political and philosophical differences, and that humor was often used as a common ground and a way to carry your views a bit lighter, a bit less serious. God, can you imagine engaging with the other side willingly and with humor? I like to imagine it, and I hope you will too. You can find Kelly Lamb on YouTube. Go subscribe to her excellent channel, as I did. And if you'd like to support this show and want to donate to the cause, please go to www.basecampformen.com and click on the podcast tab and then donate. I really appreciate your support. Thank you, Base Campers. I'll see you around the fire next week. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.